Welcome to Design Your Life in Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Letitia, it's so great to have you on the Design Your Life in Business podcast. I can't wait. I know you're going to add a ton of value. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So we're going to jump right into it. We're not going to waste any time. You know how we do. So the first question, who is Letitia Styles? Oh, man, good question. I met her recently. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I am a mentor for high achievers. I'm known for creating six and seven figure earners by helping clients identify and dissolve the subconscious blocks that are preventing them from unlocking their full potential. So what does that really mean? What that means is that all of my life, I've always felt like there was something that I just wasn't doing. Like there was this like little bit of potential just wasn't reaching, wasn't doing. But at the same time, I was getting good grades. At the same time, I was being praised for, you know, being, you know, the good girl and like doing all these things. But I knew that just I wasn't really doing everything I could do. And what I learned over the years is that I had certain subconscious blocks that were preventing me from achieving everything that I could achieve. And so that's essentially what I've taken. And I've started to use that to work with clients to do that as well. So I'm a I'm a business coach. I'm a marketing mentor, consultant, and I do all the things. Systems tech, as you know, as all. Well. Yeah. And I know you're quite amazing at everything. So <laughs> that, that rings true. I know how you perform and what you do for your clients. You have thousands upon thousands of people who can attest to that. And I'm glad you brought that up about the mindset and feeling like you just wasn't accomplishing you know, what really mattered to you. Because you have this quote that you say very often. You say you deserve to achieve your dreams, but only if you decide to do whatever it takes to get them. You know, what it doing what it takes to achieve your dreams look like? Yeah. So like a lot of people feel like they should have something or they should be further or I just, you know, turned 30. I should be further along or I'm about to you know, do this, or I graduated from this school, like I should have this. And so there's a lot of I deserve or I should have. But the second part of that is that you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And the story that I can share with you about that is I was in college and I remember I was chatting with a friend of mine and I was just really like really down. And I said, you know, I feel like I should be further along. Like I have a degree. I, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. Like I should have all these things. And I remember him telling me, okay, you know, you have all those things. And so what, like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and at the time it kind of like, it hit me hard because I was like, well, I feel like I am doing enough. And what I didn't realize was that I wasn't really doing whatever it took. And so I still had this like pride of, well, I'm not going to do that job because that job is beneath me or I'm not going to, you know, do this other thing because I'll just tell you the the lay of the land which was I had a degree, I was having a hard time finding a job and I felt like I shouldn't have to apply for jobs that were beneath my degree because I got a degree, right? And most people would believe that. Like if you got a degree, you should be applying for jobs that require you to have a degree. Otherwise, why get the degree? But being willing to do whatever it takes means that you're willing to humble yourself and do whatever it takes. So I started working with an entrepreneur. I was a personal assistant for an entrepreneur. I started delivering sandwiches. Like I did whatever I had to do in order to put myself in a financial place where I was able to not only 
you know, support myself, but also be ready to get that opportunity when that opportunity came along. And it finally did. Hey, you know what? Thank you for sharing the real side of the story. You know, we see all these people online on social media. Oh, in six months, I was just killing it, right? I'm making millions of dollars. Magically, I went from nothing to everything. And, you know, life is grand. Like, so thank you for sharing that side of the journey where you don't have everything figured out. You're just really trying to make it and you're trying to just survive, let alone, you know, you're not even thinking about the thrive part yet. You're like, man, why the heck? Isn't things working like they should? I've done all this stuff, but there's always some more to the journey, right? That we don't really anticipate. So I'm glad you mentioned that aspiration versus the expectation. Once you really got in the mind state, like, you know what? I am not playing full out. I've got to do this until I can get where I want to go. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So you mentioned you did, you was a personal assistant for an entrepreneur. Is that really how you found your own way into entrepreneurship? I mean, I was always kind of like a hustler. Like I was always the type of person where if I had to make money, I could figure out a way to do it. So my number one skill that I used to use was babysitting. So I always did like some babysitting. And so this was someone who I did some babysitting for on and off. And then she said, hey, well, I need somebody to, you know, do all these lists of things for me so I can be an entrepreneur and do, you know, all the things I need to do. So, you know, I was there folding sheets for them, washing clothes. I was doing her grocery shopping, chopping up the lettuce and like meal prepping, like all of these things that, you know, people just do that they don't think about it. Like I was doing all those things. And so I guess what led me into entrepreneurship is not only seeing how valuable it is to be an entrepreneur, meaning that when you are an entrepreneur, you can pay somebody else to do the things that you don't want to do. So I saw how valuable that was. But what really led me into entrepreneurship was that sense and feeling that there's something more for me. And if they can do it, I can do it. And there's a statement that I use that I 100% believe, which is if it's possible, it's possible for me. I've always felt like if I see somebody do something, I see somebody achieve something, if I see them do it, if it's possible for them, that means it's possible. And therefore, if it's possible, it's possible for me. If I don't have it, it just means I don't want it or I'm not willing to pay the price to get it, meaning do whatever it takes. And so when I saw that, number one, it was possible to be an entrepreneur, to set your own hours, to hire somebody to do you know, things for you, I realized that that was my journey. That was the pinnacle. That was where I was headed. And there was still a little bit of a journey getting there, trying to figure out what I could do. I started with selling my skills. I then started teaching and creating workshops. And that led me into you know, coaching and doing marketing. But the journey there was all with a foundation of if it's possible, it's possible for me. And I just kept pushing forward. That is a bar right there. If it is possible, it is possible for me. That's the power of mindset, though, because along the way, I'm sure you run into some not so welcome <laughs> obstacles along the entrepreneurial journey. And a lot of people, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship, they end up running into a huge issue, which is funding. So when you decided to become an entrepreneur, you started taking that journey, you started leveraging your skills. How did you fund your business? Most people don't talk about this. And I will say that I was very hesitant to talk about it in the future because it's not a popular method and it's not something that's celebrated, but I borrowed from my retirement plan. My thought was I can either wait until I retire to do the things that I want to do, which 
you know, I might be 60, 65, 70, who knows? Or I can use that money now and create an asset that will create cash flow that will pay me at retirement. And I've got all of these years, like all these good working years that I can use where I can create this asset so that by the time I'm 65, oh, I've got this cash flow producing asset that's going to be even better than me just trying to squirrel away money. Because so I have a finance degree and I understood, which is part of the reason why I didn't share that at the start because it's just not kosher in the finance world. <laughs> right. It goes against everything they say, right? Yeah. They're like, what? Take for your retirement. What are you talking about? But with a finance degree, what I understood was that money today is worth more than money tomorrow. The reason that that is, that statement is correct. And I'll say it again. Money today is worth more than money tomorrow. And it's simply because of inflation. More and more people are being born every day. The price of things are always going up. So if you save a dollar today, even if you're getting that interest rate and you're, you know, it's growing with the stock market, et cetera, et cetera, it's still not going to be worth the same thing in, you know, 40 years when you retire. So you have to put more and more and more away. So my thought was instead of trying to like optimize for retirement, why not like just be super effective? and like make a retirement fund irrelevant. And that was really my thought pattern. And so as I was doing that, the first thing I did was I got rid of all of my credit card debt because I knew that that was like high interest and it wasn't going to help me on the path and journey. So I took cash to pay that off. I also had a car loan. So I paid off the car loan, got rid of that. I had student loans. They were federal student loans. I held on to those because I already knew that I had a lot of flexibility with those borrowed from my retirement account and through the course of building the business was not only able to create a business that's generated a million dollars, but more than a million dollars since I started, but also paid off all the student loans with $65,000 worth of student loans, paid off all the student loans. And so that idea of let's be effective instead of trying to squirrel away and hold on to you know this money, that has served me. And the next million will be that much faster because I know more and I'm faster and I'm smarter. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. But you said a lot there. Thank you for sharing that part of the journey. Like, hey, you said you were willing to do whatever it took. And that's part of that, right? Once you put that as your mantra, you actually lived that. You took from your retirement fund, which was probably counterintuitive to what everything you've learned in your degree, right? And then you was like, okay, time value of money. Money today is not equal what money tomorrow will be. So you said, hey, I'm going to take this. I'm going to bet on myself, which is the best bet you can make, in my opinion. And look how it worked. Like whatever you had in that retirement fund, you have X that by I don't even know how much, right? Because you're... (laughs) A lot. It was like 22,000 at the time because I had only been working for a little while. So I was just like, you know, this little bitty money. (laughs) Wow. Right. And now look at the business making millions a year, right? It's like, (laughs) come on, you just getting warmed up. Like, what are we even talking about, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, that is nothing. That's like a penny to you now. (laughs) So that worked out. Okay. So that's an interesting funding strategy that we don't hear about. So entrepreneurs and business leaders, I want you to hear that. Like, you can come up with creative funding strategies to make this happen. Right. Wherever you are, if you're at 100K, you can't get past that. You're trying to get to seven, you're trying to get to eight, whatever it is, you can come up with ways to do what you need to do if you are willing to do what it takes. So now there's another thing that people struggle with when it comes to business, right? 
you got the funding, you knew exactly what you want to do, you've identified your target market. How did you build the customer base? Because lead generation and all that stuff, people struggle. Yeah, I struggled too. At the very start, I hired coaches. I looked at what other people were doing. And I noticed that a lot of the strategies that were being taught were perfect for people who are extrovert, meaning they really gain energy by, you know, chatting with other people and doing live streams every day and like, you know, reaching out, all these things. And, you know, I did it because I'm an A student. If coach tells me, hey, go do this, I'm going to go do it. And after I did it, I realized like, hey, this is just, I already know, like, it's just not going to be sustainable because it's draining me. It doesn't feel good. Therefore, when it gets hard, I'm not going to want to do it. And I already know. So I decided to lean into my strengths. So I knew that my strengths were understanding how things operate. Like I'm really good with strategy and vision. So I can see something, I can recognize patterns and I can see like, okay, this works here. Can this work here? So from, you know, me having the finance degree and understanding how to like look at numbers and tell stories with the numbers, what I realized was that, oh, if I can get this number of people to see, you know, my offer or to see me, to get to know me, then this percentage of people will then go to take the next step. And then this percentage of people will take the next step. And essentially what I was learning was how to create a funnel, a sales flow. And so my idea was, okay, if I can get ads to work, because I don't have to ask anybody permission for ads, I don't have to like Facebook troll people, I don't have to go into LinkedIn and do message spam, all I have to do is pay a little bit of money. And if I pay a little bit of money, and the numbers shake out, then this is what will be the outcome. So I ended up creating a introvert friendly system, I call it the you've got client system. And essentially what it is, is people engage with you. They find you through an ad, social media posts, or you know whatever you want to put up. The engagement part is easy. That's what most people do anyways. Then you find that they would like something from you. So you give them something of value in exchange for their email address. Once you do that, you establish who your buyers are and determine like who are the people who are probably most willing to take action. And then you have a script to enroll people. The people who are most likely, they raise their hands. You don't have to reach out to them, but they literally raise their hands and say, hey, how can I work with you? And so this process and this strategy was how I created the lead generation for my business. But at the start, it was really just a matter of like trying to figure out what worked for me. And once I did that, that's when I, you know, basically started turning around and teaching it because everyone started asking me like, hey, how are you getting all these clients? (laughs) (laughs) I never see you doing live streams every day. I'm like, because I don't have to. (laughs) Because I don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. No, that's cool that you found a way. And I love that niche. You said introvert friendly. Right. So that's another key point. You knew exactly who you wanted to target because you're pretty much talking to yourself after you tried all these other things. You pivoted and said, this is exactly who I want to speak to. So I have two questions. I'm going to do one at a time. I know I like to get excited. So the first question is, what do introverts know about selling that everyone else should hear? Introverts need to know that you don't have to change or get over it. I was once told, get over it. When I told someone I was an introvert, she was like, you need to get over that. I'm like, get over what? Being Letitia? Right. Being myself? Like, what What are you telling me? Right. (laughs) So the truth is you don't have to do anything outside of your nature because you have a special quality that no one else has. Number one, you're special, obviously. But you also have a special quality as an introvert, which is we're really good at listening. We're really good at hearing what the person is not saying, which means we're excellent at sales. 
The only problem is because we want to have sincere conversations and most people who teach sales teach you how to like just get to the sale, it's incongruent with who you are. And so that's why it's important to have a process and a system where you can have those sincere conversations and do sales the way that you truly want to do them because that's when you're going to align with the clients who are really are for you. That's key because active listening is a lost art these days. And that's like one of the most important things. Like you don't have to really sell if you're listening because they're telling you exactly what their problem is, exactly what they want to get to. So you can really put that together and say, okay, you're A, I'm going to take you to Z and here's how, right? Absolutely. Then they pretty much took themselves to it. So that's a really key point. And then the second question is with the way things are going now with like Facebook ads, the cost per acquisition, cost per click are higher now, especially after the iOS 14 update and all that other privacy stuff. Do you still see in the future Facebook ads being a viable option or have you kind of shifted? Yeah, I think so. I've definitely shifted a little bit in terms of number one, what's actually working on Facebook right now. So there was a while where it was working to send people directly to a 45 minute webinar and have them like watch the webinar, book a call, et cetera, et cetera. But then everybody started doing it and it wasn't as effective. So then it became more effective to send people directly to a low ticket purchase item. You do you know, a phone call afterwards and get them on the phone and then upsell your high ticket. And that worked really, really well. And what I'm finding right now that's actually worked, which I don't want to give away all my secrets, but since it's just me and you. No, no, no. Yeah, they got they got to get into you've got clients, you know. <laughs> um, what I find right now that's working really well is actually going back to the webinar strategy, but not necessarily the forty-five minute training. It's more of having something that's on that shorter time frame where people can really figure out like, who are you? What do you do? What do you offer? And do I trust you? Because that's what's missing right now is that there's so many people who can do it who, you know, they throw up an ad and they, you know, show up that consumers are just really getting jaded. They just see all these, you know, bigger, bolder claims and they're like, well, are you really legit? And so it's important to, you know, build up enough trust and credibility so that, you know, you can kind of start having that conversation. But that's what I'm seeing that's working again right now. So I've been running Facebook ads, well, not lead ads, but basically ads just to bring in email addresses. So a lead based conversion. And that's actually working just as good as it was several years ago where I'm getting like email subscribers for under a dollar at this point, which is like, it hasn't been like that in a while. It went up to like two, three, four, five dollars for a very long time. So, you know, what I've discovered is that there's like cycles, the same way there's cycles in nature, there's cycles in business cycles, there's cycles in the economy. It looks like there's also cycles in advertising. And there's also other platforms like TikTok. I've experimented a little bit with TikTok ads. Don't know enough to really you know, teach on it, but people are doing really well with that. There's other methods that you can do, like doing joint ventures. And there's just so much opportunity out there. And I think what a lot of times what newer business owners don't realize is that almost everything works. And the thing is, is that they spend so much time like looking for the next shiny object that they don't actually take the time to do one thing. So if they would just connect with the person that they feel like they can learn from, that they're willing to listen from and be a student of, they can do that person's method and it will likely work for them. It's just a matter of not getting distracted. And that's really the really the main issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Being consistent and then, you know, 
you can add your own little flavor to it so it's authentic to you. But definitely, I mean, that's the beauty of having coaches like yourself, right? You can find these people who you resonate with and you know, like, and trust because that's always going to be a factor. And then adapt. And we know your methods work, right? Like I said, you have thousands. If you go to your website, you know, those numbers really stand out to speak for themselves, right? <laughs> so they like, I have a little counter up there going like 5,000 students. So yeah, it's cool. Cool to see. Right. No joke. No joke. So you know, her methods are proven. So you have this thing that you constantly say, and I hear it often, you say, never charge what you're worth. Why is that? Because they can never afford you. You get to receive as a result of your energy, your expectation and vibration. And so what happens is people, often, service providers, service providers often set a price based on their internal belief of what they are worth. But you're never charging what you're worth. You're charging what your services are worth. And that's it. You look at your services, you look at the market, you look at what you're delivering, the outcome, and you base that on what your services are worth. The problem that I find, and I work with a lot of women, and this comes up a lot, which they often have a sense of not necessarily feeling worth the price. And so they'll set a price that's low. And it's low because when they tell me, they know it's low, not because I'm telling them it's low. I'll ask them like, okay, what price did you set? And they say the number and they're like, well, I know that it should be higher than that. I'm like, I didn't even say anything, right? Yeah. If you know that, why are you doing it? Right. And so the thing is, is that there's often a desire to match. Here's what I believe I'm worth with. Here's what I want to charge. And if you try to connect those together, you're just going to have to do a lot of internal personal work on recognizing that you are worthy just because you are. Like you get to breathe because you're alive. You don't have to ask, can I breathe today? Like you get to breathe and you get to receive in the exact same way. And so once you recognize that, you can separate that out and not try to charge based on what you are worth. It's not about what you are worth. It's what your services are worth and the transformation that you're bringing to the client. And the second thing I'll say on that is you also cannot sell from your client's pocket. So often what I find service providers do is they think, well, the person that I want to help can't afford this. So therefore, I'm only going to charge this amount. And it's like, but you don't know. You don't know if they can or can't do it. You don't know how resourceful they're willing to get. You don't know like what declaration that might mean for them to make that investment. And you are potentially robbing them of that declaration and decision for them to say, hey, I'm ready to own my kingdom, right? I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to do those things, right? <laughs> and so you can't rob them of that. You have to be willing to allow them to make that decision, to get resourceful, to step up and be the person. 100%. I love the shout out to Own Your Kingdom. Much appreciated. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> No, no, of course. But that's so true, though, because it's like, you know, we often defeat ourselves before we even start the battle. It's like, oh, I, I can't charge three grand. Like, who's going to be able to pay that? But little do we know, like people who really, really feel like the problem is worth that, right? If you ask them how much is this problem worth to you, they're probably going to say more than that, right? So if you tell them like, hey, you can provide them options, right? You mentioned being resourceful, provide them options, let them know that this is possible. And you'd be surprised how many people say, you know what? Thanks for showing me. I didn't know that existed, right? Because so many people run against the wall and say, man, like we talked about that creative financing you did. They run against the wall because they don't hear about those things. They just know what they know. They don't know what they don't know. So if you show them like, hey, you know what? I got you. This is what we can do. And once you put that out there, it's up to them. It's on them. 
right? But again, we don't have to sell because the people coming to you, they know they have an issue. They're looking to you for the solution. Maybe it's not right now, right? And maybe along that value ladder you have, maybe you do have a tier that they can hit until they get to that, but you just have to do what, do your part, right? Like you said, you can't act like you know their pockets and we shouldn't do that. The sliding scale pricing either, because now you're discounting the people that already purchased at that price, right? So yeah, I love that you brought that up. So we're going to shift a little bit here. As entrepreneurs, there's a lot of things we can do. There's a lot of hats. We, we're creative typically. We want to create all these cool things and record all these videos and courses and all that. So how do you stay productive? What is your favorite hack? My notebook. So I have a notebook at my desk. I write every day. I write my word for the year, which for this year, the word is overflow. I write my goals. So what I want to do in numbers, revenue, if I have personal goals or body goals or things like that, I write those down as well. I track my sales, my net worth. I create a power statement, which is, it's like an affirmation, but it's not. Affirmation is something that you want to be true. A power statement is something that you know to be true. So for example, if I have a doubt that comes up, that's like, you know, who are you to make six figures in a month? I might have a power statement to back that, that says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, I get to receive because I am, right? So I I would create a power statement like that. And then I write down my, what's called on deck for the day. And so these are, I'm old school, so I just use a notebook. And so that's how I stay productive is by having a clear focus on where I'm going. So I'm like, like a GPS, right? I set my destination. So I got the goal, I got the word, I got the overarching, this is what I'm doing. I make sure I tap in from a mindset standpoint And then I say, okay, now what do we need to get done? And so I just write out like, you know, things that would make today a win. I try to knock those things out and obviously get help, you know, eliminate, automate, delegate as much as I can and uh, just go from there. I love that. And and I love that you went with the notebook. So I think that's lost. And that's why a lot of people are so everywhere because they don't put it where they can see it. Like you might put it in your phone, but like there's so much on the phone, you get distracted. You forget you even wrote that note. So I love that having it in front of you, you know, you can use a post-it note, you can use anything or type a note on your computer or have it up when it first pops up. Like I'm a firm believer in that as well. I like to write on a post-it note, you know, what I need to do like the day before, like before my work day is done. I like to write that out so I know exactly what's on deck, as you put it. And I'm prepared, I'm ready to go, and I can get done what needs to be prioritized as early as possible instead of letting the day being owned by something else. Thank you for sharing that technique. And I like that power, the power statement. Right? I'm going to take that one. <laughs> yeah, the power statement. So the truth about affirmations is that affirmations, everyone's like, oh, I need an affirmation. Like I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise. Money comes easily and frequently to me. Like people love to give me money. That like, These affirmations, what happens is if you don't fully believe it, as soon as you say it, your subconscious is going to be like, no, they don't. People don't like to pay. You don't get paid. What are you talking about, girl? <laughs> right? <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> right, exactly. And so what happens is the affirmations end up doing more harm than good because it just starts bringing up more doubt. And what you should do instead is create what I call a power statement. So a power statement is as soon as you have a doubt come up. So let's assume that the same doubt came up where you thought like, oh, you know, people don't actually like to pay me because I haven't made any money. So you would get firm and rooted in a truth. So what is a truth that you believe right now to be true? 
And it might be something like, well, I have been paid in the past. I have been paid. So therefore I can get paid in the future. That's a power statement. I've been paid in the past. I can get paid in the future. And I might add something additional to it, which is, you know, I've been paid in the past. I can get paid in the future and I'm going to get paid even more. All that matters is if I decide to do it or not. It's kind of like it's a power statement. So it's just like the sugar honey I see. This is what I said it's going to be. And therefore, that's what it has to be. And so that's the difference between a power statement and an affirmation. Yeah, no, I love that. And I say that too. Like people say these affirmations and they just take whatever they heard and they don't believe it themselves. So I like that the power statement is really reaffirming who you are and what you are capable of and just saying, hey, I'm going to apply this to now, to putting from the past to the present. Right. So that's, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. So definitely use that, y'all. That's a dope one right there. And you mentioned something about, you know, when you're feeling down, if you use the wrong affirmations or you don't believe it. So that ties me into what do you do? Like when you aren't your best, what's your go-to tactic for getting the must-dos done? Yeah. So if I'm not really feeling it, the first thing I do is just kind of go within and think, am I not feeling it because like, what's the reason? Why am I not feeling it? Am I not feeling it because, you know, maybe I'm hormonal, like just being honest. Sometimes as females, we just, you know, it's just not the time. (laughs) So. Right. Hey, we know. (laughs) We know. You're like, I know. We know. So I'm like, okay, I check in on that. I'm like, okay, no, it's not that. So am I not feeling it because I'm doing something that I don't want to do, or I feel like it's not congruent with the way that I want to show up, the way that what I want to bring to life. And if that's the case, I'm like, okay, well, why am I walking up the hill in the wrong direction? Let me go back, go back to flow. What I know is right for me and do that instead. And then sometimes it's just a matter of, you just need to take a break. Like, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday? I was just starting to feel like just really overwhelmed. And I was sitting at my computer and I've been working on stuff like all day. And I just thought like, why are you still sitting here? Like you need to take a break. It's okay to, you know, watch TV if you want to like, just relax. Because if you try to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, you're going to end up kind of going off of that burnout cliff where you'll end up taking maybe days, maybe weeks. For me, at one point I had taken like months where I just didn't want to touch anything because I push myself to the point of burnout. So it's important to check in to say like, what's going on right now, and then act from there. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that checking in and doing it consistently. And I myself, I'm someone who struggles with uh, severe depression and PTSD. So I really have to like, you know, check in and I usually feel it like early on. I know if it's going to be that day, but sometimes you have these attacks, they just hit you in the middle of working, you feel great. Next thing you know, you just like, yeah, everything. You're like, ah, oh, am I going to succeed? Like, why is it not working? This thing, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I just get frustrated about this? So let me tell you, you'll laugh at this. I was writing. So I do like a weekly operations meeting where I take down like, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm working on, et cetera, et cetera. So this was a couple weeks ago. And I wrote a sentence where I was like, can I just like complain about the fact that, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. And I just started talking about all the things that weren't going right. And I remember I looked at that and I was like, no. And I like, I highlighted it and I did like a strike through because I wanted to leave it there so that I could see like, this was a moment that you were kind of feeling down. But I also wanted to say, no, you can't complain about it. Like you can acknowledge it. It's there. Okay. You got it out. Okay. Now be done. Like strike through it. Let's move forward because there's no point in wallowing or worrying or 
feeling stressed, if you keep looking at what you don't want, you're going to get more of what you don't want. And so if that's what you focus on, that's what will grow. So instead, you have to give your attention, your time and your energy to the things that you do want, because that's what will grow. And it's important to understand that, like, what are you giving your time and attention to? And if you keep creating things, because you're creating everything. So if you keep creating things that you don't like, then that means that you're giving your time and attention to those things. So you got to, you know, put your focus on what you do want. Absolutely. And just reaffirm it. I mean, sometimes that's the proper time to really think about that, what you want, you know, because a lot of times, especially as entrepreneurs and leaders, we run out of that. We just get so focused on the goals that we forget why we even wanted that goal in the first place. So I like that. Got to check in. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned this earlier. We're creative, right? As entrepreneurs, as leaders, especially you. I see you all the time. You're doing amazing things. By the way, y'all, she is actually a fitness buff. Like she, if so don't sleep, okay? No. Yeah, you see the guns? <laughs> if you listen to this on audio, you need to go to YouTube and check the video because she got the guns. I'm telling you. Check her Instagram. I'm telling you. You're going to be like, wow. So you can tell that you're a disciplined person. Like you don't play games on any aspect of life. So what is your process? Like how do you be like, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Like, where do these ideas come from? Yeah, I guess I would say that I recognize for myself that I can only do 100% so much of the time. And so I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up is because they believe if there's a goal that they want to hit, they're going to have to run 100%, 120%. But as humans, we're just not really made to do that. We, the thing is, there's a reason that we've got five days of the week and then two days on the weekend, right? So what I do, the way that I continually move forward and move towards my goals is I recognize that I'm going to do good, right? Or do what I'm supposed to do about 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time, I'm going to give myself a break. And it's like people think that they should be on this constant like roller coaster upward motion when really it's more of a, you know, up a little bit of a dip, up a little bit of a dip. But as long as you keep moving forward, as long as you keep showing up, that's where you'll get the result that you desire. And so, so many people, they try to like do the straight shot up and then they end up burning out, right? And falling off that cliff and then just feeling like, oh, this is too much. And instead, if they would just continually incrementally make progress, they would be so much better. So not to sound like preachy, so I'll just share, you know, for me, what I do, which is, like I said, I'm fairly disciplined and I work on how can I become more disciplined, just a little bit more disciplined in this area. So when I first started working out and getting ready for competition, you know, I would go to the gym and I would do, you know, most of the stuff my coaches gave me. And then I would be like, oh, okay, I'm kind of tired right now. And I would leave. And then the next day I would say, okay, how about you just do one of those reps of the things that you said you were, that you didn't do last time. Just do one of those. Like, okay, fine. Then the next time I'm like, okay, how about you do all four? And then the next time until now it's a habit where I go in, I get my workout in and I'm done. Like, I don't have to bargain with myself, but I didn't try to like go 100% the first time because I wasn't the person yet. I wasn't yet the person who was disciplined enough. I had to become the person. And so many people remove themselves from that process of becoming the person because they're just so ready to get there. But it's like, if you get there and you're not the person, you're going to lose it all. And it's the reason why people get to their goal, they get to their destination. And all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute. I'm back where I was before and I'm even worse off. Like what happened? Well, it's because you didn't incrementally become the person that you needed to be to have the things that you wanted to have. 
Oh, that is a great point to bring up that success is gradual because you have to build yourself up to be ready for that. I mean, we see it all the time, right? You think about sports, you know, young athletes getting paid millions. And then as soon as they out the league or even before, they don't have anything, right? You see them at Target stocking shelves and you're like, what the heck happened? They were not ready. So that's a great point. And it's like, people, be careful what you ask for. Make sure you're ready for it because, you know, you get that success. And we're talking about entrepreneurs and business leaders. You make that millions or you hit that goal. What next? Like, what are you going to do if you hit that? And we got to be real about that. Like, are you ready for that? Are you prepared for it? So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for bringing that up. All right. We're going to wind down here just a little bit. So do you have any success formulas that you swear by that the audience could leverage? My favorite success formula is realizing and having a deep seated belief that if it's possible, it's possible for you. If you know that there's something that you want, there's something that you desire, and you've seen other people do it, and the only thing that's holding you back from going after it or achieving it is because you have like this doubt, feed your, don't feed your doubts, feed your expectation, and be willing to expect more from yourself and from the earth because it's all there for you. So I don't know if that's the success formula. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> hey, to me, that's a success formula because like you, I love that quote. That's going to be a, a tissue quotable, actually. You know, I love that quote. And I firmly believe that as well. It's like for so long, you know, I was on the opposite side of the, of the fence in my, my younger days. And then I realized like how that, how important that was to believe that I could, and that was meant for me. And I didn't have to just sit on the sidelines and watch as everyone else did what they said they were going to do, I can actually take agency and do what I wanted to do. And that's where the whole live not loathe on your kingdom came from. So yes, that is a successful formula for sure. So we are hitting the point where I ask you three questions in our by design segment. And I asked everyone these questions. So I want to hear from you. What has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? Not having a vacation at the start. <laughs> <laughs> so the hardest part for me has been or initially was feeling like I couldn't take a vacation because I had to work so much because I was trying to get there. And once I realized that there was no there to get to, it was a matter of creating and designing a life that, you know, in a business that I didn't need a vacation from. That's when I started to incorporate things into my business. So that was when I first incorporated the Royal Retreat, which is a retreat in February that we go to Mexico, we go to Playa del Carmen, hang out by the beach, learn a little bit of marketing, you know, do a little bit of subconscious block shifting, things like that. I incorporated that into the business because February is cold, but it, in Mexico it's 80 degrees and on the beach feels great. So just doing that. And then also like me taking care of myself and my body and recognizing that I also get to achieve my personal goals as well. I've always wanted to be on stage. I've always wanted to do a bodybuilding fitness competition. And so I don't have to put that on hold just because I'm trying to build the business. Like the business can continue to grow. It can continue to do its thing. And I also get to achieve my personal goals as well. So the hardest thing was believing that I had to push those things off before I could allow myself to receive them. Yes. Living, keeping them both in line and really realizing they feed into one another, right? It's like symbiotic relationship, life between life and business. Yes. And I like that Royal Retreat. That sounds fun. That sounds amazing. And February is perfect time. Not too far from Houston either. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying. <laughs> it's fine. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I might have to look at that next February, you know. So number two, what is the best lesson you've learned from your entrepreneurial journey? I will say the best lesson that I've learned from my entrepreneurial journey is that you can't do it alone and you shouldn't try. So I actually started my entrepreneurial journey in a multi-level marketing opportunity, which most people do. I call it kind of like the gateway drug to entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, everybody got somebody that's like, hey, come on, join my team. So I started there and I didn't succeed in that. You know, I did my best, but it just wasn't right for me. And then the next thing that I did was the personal finance blog. And I had a little bit more success at that point, but I couldn't make it turn it into a full-time income, even though I tried. So once again, I still feel like that wasn't quite the success that I was looking for. And so when I started my consulting business, where I started creating blog posts for business owners and doing content marketing for them, that was like the first time I hired a mentor. And that step of doing that and recognizing that I couldn't do it all on my own, I needed somebody to show me the rope. And I didn't want to go slow. I wanted to go fast. I wanted to get there as quickly as possible. That was the biggest lesson for me is that don't do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. You can go so much further, so much faster if you have somebody to help you along the way. And it's not a cost. It's not an expense. It's an investment because that investment is like sowing a seed into the growth of your future and growth of your business. So that's been the biggest lesson for me, especially as someone who doesn't like to accept help. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's that high achiever. And you're like, I can do this. I got this. Yep. Exactly. All right. The last question is, what are three tools or tips you would recommend when scaling your business? Yeah. So first one, I would absolutely recommend having a good, solid offer. So this would be a tip. You have to have a solid offer because if you have a solid offer, if you have an offer that's a high value offer, high ticket offer, premium offer, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to grow than trying to sell like a low dollar offer. So that's the first tip I would share. Second thing is that you have to make sure that you are in the right opportunity Sometimes you have, you know, a level 10 skill, but you're in a level two opportunity. And so that just means that you need if like if you've been trying to like run so hard and you're, you feel like you're running up the hill in the wrong direction, it's probably because you're not in quite in the right opportunity. So often what I do, like when I work with clients and we really like look like, like what's your highest value proposition that you could be doing right now to your highest value avatar and really like honing in on that. And then the third thing that I would suggest is make sure, and this would be a tool, I guess, which would be know your numbers. So there's a tool that I really like. It's called Segmetrics, S-E-G, and then metrics. And what it does is it tells you, okay, this person came from a Facebook ad. This person came from a Google ad. This person came from your SEO efforts. This person you know, came into your website. Like This is where these people came. Therefore, now you can optimize the things that you're doing through those channels. And so you have to know your numbers and you have to be willing to look at the numbers so that you can make decisions based on the numbers and not just based on, you know, what you feel. And that is like my analytical side that just kind of pops up like 10 to 20% of the time. But once it does, it's like, it does its job. And then I, I go back to being creative Gemini Letitia who just wants to do whatever she wants. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing segmetrics. That sounds like a must-have tool really because analytics are just a, a cause of doing business, right? So you're lucky you have everything that you need. You're like, if someone said, hey, this is the entrepreneur, 
Letitia, right? You're the yeah. picture. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the value that you dropped, all the gems. I'm going to go back and listen myself because you dropped a lot. I really appreciate it. And I'm wishing you much success. I'm sure we will be talking again in the future. Is there any departing words? How can people find you? Yeah. Last things that I will say is that, you know, understand that you are more than just the thing that you're offering, the service that you're providing, whatever you're selling. You, generally speaking, most people, they have a reason that they're doing what they're doing and they have a message that they want to share with the world. And it might be a little clouded right now because you might feel like, oh, I got to get this business going. I got to do this. I got to do that. But there's a reason there's a why behind that. So if you'd like some help with developing that or you want to learn more about me or what I do, go to Letitia.tv. All of my links are there. So social media, you know, uh, website links, all those things. Just go to Letitia.tv. Uh, that'll point you in the right direction. And yeah, look forward to helping you create your own version of a lavish life. <laughs> Absolutely. So the links will be down in the show notes. So go ahead and make sure you check out Letitia.tv. And yeah, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. You heard all the jewels she dropped. So make sure you go talk, speak with her. All right. Thank you so much, Letitia. And we will be speaking again soon. Remember, everyone, keep ascending. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.